We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So there's several rumors floating around, both past and present, as it relates to the Ravens, and we're here to break them all down and try to make sense of each, Sarah. Yeah, and one of those rumors surfaced Monday in an ESPN.com piece that claims Baltimore had interest in using its first-round pick on quarterback prospect Will Levis if a Lamar Jackson solution hadn't been solved prior to last month's NFL draft. I'm Bobby Trossett alongside my co-host Sarah Ellison. It's Tuesday, May 9th, and this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault. Well, all the national media talk shows are, of course, blowing up Lamar Jackson's 6,000-yard quote from his presser. We'll dive into many of the overreactions ahead, but believe it or not, of all people, Skip Bayless had a sensible take of it all. Plus, ahead of Thursday night's annual NFL schedule release for the 2023 NFL regular season, I'll run you through some distinct changes coming to this year's format. Yeah, we have all of that and more coming up. Thank you for waking up with the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news in about 15 minutes. All right, Bobby, let's just dive right in. There are four rumors revolving around the Ravens right now that warrant our attention. And let's begin with the piece published by ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, which focused on Baltimore's would have been perceived interest in using first round draft capital on Kentucky prospect Will Levis. Yeah, I got to say, like my first reaction to this after reading the piece, you and I spoke about it on our daily conference call I just like, it's like Jeremy Fowler doing Jeremy Fowler things. And hey, while there's no doubt he has numerous sources league wide, this feels like a complete reach to me. And here's why. And I'm going to read a snippet from it directly from his piece. Quote, absent a Lamar Jackson deal by the start of the draft, I believe after asking around that the Ravens would have considered quarterback Will Levis with the 22nd overall pick. Finalizing a deal for Jackson before Thursday night was prudent for Baltimore, which could implement the possibility of drafting a passer as leverage. After the draft, leverage would shift to Jackson, potentially weakening the chance at a deal because Baltimore's QB options would be scarce unless they selected one on day one or two. This is a moot point after Jackson and Baltimore agreed to terms on a five-year, $260 million extension 
a few hours before the draft kicked off. Had that not gone down, the QB option could have been tempting, and Levis was the best option at 22, close quote. So, Sarah, there's one key word. I know it stood out to both of us, and that is considered. He wrote, I believe after asking around that the Ravens would have considered quarterback Will Levis with the 22nd overall pick. Of course they would have considered it without Lamar's contract being resolved. And honestly, by all accounts, it sure seems like the organization took a closer look at this year's QB prospects who were coming out of this year's class because of how much uncertainty there was surrounding eight's future. Yeah, and Bobby, it's literally every NFL front office's job to quote-unquote consider every single draft prospect I promise you, even the Chiefs and Bengals have a scouting grade and a draft ranking on all the quarterback prospects. So this is just gossip that's just vague enough to mean anything and everything and nothing all at the same time. As such, I cannot take it seriously. All right, Bobby, the next couple of rumors come from Jeff Zrebeck's latest report via The Athletic or for Jeff, maybe report might be a better word, but having just signed free agent cornerback Rocky Sin last week, it's obviously fair to wonder whether the Ravens have their sights set on Marcus Peters in 2023. And yeah, I think it's fair to wonder as well. Uh, I do have my doubts, but as you covered on Monday's morning vault, John Harbaugh refused to close the door on Juice Man when he met with the media over the weekend. So there's that. I did think that Jeff made a good point in his piece, though, and it's based on the timing of all of this. I'm going to read a direct quote again here. He wrote, quote, evaluate Jalen Armour Davis and Pepe Williams, of course, two fourth round draft picks from last year in the various organized team activities and mini camps. See what you have in Caillou Blue Kelly, a rookie fifth rounder, and Trayvon Mullen, a 2019 second round pick with 31 starts on his resume. If you're going to make final determinations on a cornerback based on one year or one training camp of struggles, it's going to be awfully hard to develop any young players at that position, close quote. So basically the way I interpreted this, uh, Sarah, what, what Jeff's getting at here is in the event that they don't like what they see at practice in the coming weeks throughout the course of this offseason, as OTAs begin to ramp up, as, as, as mini camp, mandatory mini camp ramps up in June. They can always turn back to Marcus, assuming that he's still available on the open market, which he is at the time of this taping. Uh, and maybe they could even turn to Kyle Fuller once again, who they lost in week one to a season-ending knee injury last September. So uh, again, though, because of how much mid-round draft capital they've invested in the secondary in recent years, why not take this time, this invaluable time, to get some answers? Yeah, I think that's a fair suggested route by Jeff. Go see what you have in the Young Bucks and then decide on Peters. But I will say, Bobby, in an all-in year, personally, I hope that they decide to grab Peters regardless because I want crazy good depth. All right, but Bobby, there's a bunch of whispers about Baltimore native Adrian Amos. Those are out there too. The 30-year-old strong safety remains unsigned after spending his last four years in Green Bay and had an official visit with the Ravens earlier this offseason. Yeah, and Sarah, according to Jeff, it looks like there's still mutual interest between the two parties. Amos is as durable as it comes. He's missed just four games over his last eight years. He's been in the league for eight years to date. So you can bet that the Packers would love to keep him around, but it's obviously going to come down to money. I'll go back to Jeff's piece here. He wrote, quote, 
How much will the Ravens be willing to pay when they have a few other depth needs with limited cap space to fill them? And how would they utilize Amos alongside projected starting safeties Marcus Williams and Kyle Hamilton? It would be easy to say the Ravens already have enough depth at safety, but adding Amos would allow them to use Hamilton more in matchup situations and in the slot. In a way, it would be almost like adding another corner, close quote. And Sarah, the Ravens proved that they could productively use three safeties last year when Chuck Clark was still here, right? We we know that. So I like the idea of adding a proven veteran into the mix at the right price. And then he, think about this too. Amos would be an instant upgrade over Geno Stone. So there's a lot of things to like if the money is right. And man, when Kyle is, he's so versatile, Kyle Hamilton, I'd like to see him as, as much as we possibly can up at the line of scrimmage. He's a great blitzer, good timing, good technique. So he's going to continue to grow, and I, I would, I think Jeff is all over this, and it sure seems like there's there's mutual interest brewing. All right, well, let's finish with the fourth and final rumor, and surprise, surprise, it's about DeAndre Hopkins, or at least we're trying to solve all of the rumors that were going on before about him, and obviously he now remains as an Arizona Cardinal at the time of this taping. Yeah, and back to Jeff's piece we go. Uh, he writes, quote, I honestly don't have a great feel for whether the Ravens were ever close to trading for Cardinals wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, as at least one report indicated. I do know the Ravens did their due diligence on Hopkins earlier in the offseason, and at that point, they didn't see a trade as feasible because of several factors, including the wide receiver's contract, the Cardinals' asking price, and Baltimore's limited 2023 draft capital. What I'm not clear on is whether the talks heated up closer to the draft once Arizona's asking price presumably dropped. Whether they did or didn't re-engage, the Ravens made no effort to distance themselves from the perceived Hopkins interest. And why would they? It behooved them to have the rest of the league thinking they were down the road on a Hopkins trade so that teams didn't think they had to trade in front of the Ravens in the first round of the draft to get the receiver they wanted, close quote. And Sarah, I don't know about you, but I tend to feel like there was a whole lot of smoke out there leading up to the draft. I mean, just go back and look at our archives, right? One of our titles on the vault was where there's smoke, there's fire related to DeAndre and the Ravens. You add that into the fact that Adam Pacman Jones, a close friend of D-Hop, contributed to that. Darius Slay may have contributed to that without ever specifically mentioning Hopkins, but the timing certainly was peculiar. And then, of course, the Michael Lombardi report, which we now know wasn't an ultimatum handed down by Lamar, but more so a desire, or as he put it last week during his press conference, a question. All of that certainly contributed as well. Where are you at with it? Yeah, I I also think that there was something there. Again, I don't know how close it was, but I definitely felt like there was something there from Lamar's request to the Ravens to check in on D-Hop to reports from multiple outlets and finally to former players around town. Remember, Femi Ayambadejo on this show, who's plugged into the Ravens and several players, he thought something could happen, and that was still on draft night. So there was, I think there was interest Again, maybe the money in the draft compensation was too high, and plus the Ravens got Zay, so there was no need to push it. But yes, I do think that there was something there. Okay, still to come here on The Vault. National media pundits are just eating up Lamar Jackson's comment that he'd like to throw for 6,000 yards. Some had some reasonable reactions, and uh, yeah, others took it a bit too far. (laughs) 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, Sarah, it's the quote that we knew. We just knew it would have a ton of national media buzzing when he said it. We all remember what Lamar said from the press conference last week, just in case you don't. Here it is. I told. I think I told someone like, man, I want to throw for like six thousand yards with the weapons we have. <laughs> like, you know, and I'm I'm not a individual award type of guy or a stat watcher. You know, I just want to do that. You know, because no one ever done it. And I feel like we have the weapons to do it. Yeah, Bobby, I am so sure that Lamar knew that he would set the media world stirring when he said that. And you know what? Right on cue. Here we all are. Uh, just about every national sports show that I've come upon in the last couple of days has debated that clip. Pundits are mostly debating whether Lamar was serious when he said it. Uh, let me give you a taste of just some of those debates. Here's ESPN's Mike Greenberg and then Dan Orlovsky. They are on different ends of the spectrum. So, so people will react to this. Sometimes there's a big difference between the way things read and the way they sound, which is to say, if you just read that quote someplace online, you say, oh, Lamar Jackson thinks he's going to throw for 6,000 yards and break all the records. He's obviously just pointing out what we all know. He's got a chance, Dan, this year to do stuff he's never done before because he's never had receivers like the ones he has right now, especially if you like the rookies, A. Flowers, as much as I know you do. I think he's being serious, first of all, and I think it's the great example of if your dreams or goals aren't being laughed at by others, then they're not big enough. I think that's a real number for Lamar Jackson. All right, so I think it's fair to debate what those two guys just debated, whether Lamar was serious, which we'll talk about in a second. But first, I knew, Bobby, I knew there'd be somebody to take this quote from Lamar way too far and accuse him of what Hall of Famer Tim Hardaway, the NBA Hall of Famer Tim Hardaway, he accused him of this during the Carton Show. Well, he says I'm not about individual uh, accolades and awards. Uh, I want to throw over 6,000 yards, and your thought was what? You, not, you don't want to win a Super Bowl? You want to throw 6,000 yards? Yeah. My, my, my press conference would be like, I'm here to win championships, not throw 6,000 well, yards. There just had to be one guy. All right, we knew this was coming. There had to be one. So <laughs> we're just going to go ahead and knock this narrative down right away before it gains any steam. There is nobody who's been more consistent about expressing his desire to win a Super Bowl and chase championships than Lamar. And come on. We know he's won countless individual awards, including the unanimous 2019 NFL MVP. And, you know, instead of letting those get to his head, he says he's appreciative. 
but really cares about chasing a Lombardi. So in this same press conference, Lamar said one of the reasons he wanted to re-sign in Baltimore was to deliver his draft day promise that they'd get a Super Bowl out of him with Dion. So uh, clearly that means something to him. The weight of the world, I'm sure, is on his shoulders. He set the expectation that day. And by re-signing, obviously, uh, that expectation is back in focus. Yeah, he's clearly obsessed still about winning a Super Bowl and delivering on that promise. And also, Bobby, he said during this last press conference and many others, he enjoys throwing touchdown passes more than running them in himself because he likes to see his teammates celebrate. He wants to celebrate their accolades, too. So it's not just about him, which is why when I originally heard Lamar say that he wanted to throw for 6,000 yards, me personally, my initial reaction was that he was more emphasizing how happy he is with all of his new weapons at wide receiver. And it was a compliment to them and to the Ravens front office. Now, listen, do I think that he really would like to throw for 6,000? Yeah, of course. What quarterback wouldn't? He wants to make history on several levels. I've said this about Zay. I'll say it about Lamar. I'll say it about anybody. If you want to be great, you have to put out great dreams and try to and try to realize them. So, yeah, I think he he would like to throw for them, but that doesn't supersede all the other things that he wants to do. It doesn't supersede, you know, him again wanting to win that Super Bowl. He's going to measure the success of his season of whether he is able to deliver on that promise. It's not going to be about how many passing yards he has. It's going to be about the ultimate team award for the ultimate team sport at the Super Bowl. Now, it does beg the question as to what this offense will look like in 2023, right? I mean, look at the stats. The most yards Lamar has ever thrown for in a single NFL season is just over 3,100. He had just over 4,300 total yards his MVP season when you add in the rushing statistics. So essentially doubling his passing stats would be an awfully tall task, even given the upgrades at wide receiver and playmaking. Yeah, and even given the new offensive coordinator, I mean, it would really be a tall task because, as Lamar said, nobody nobody has even done it. So, which is why I, th I personally think it would be a very, very strong season for Lamar if he could put up 4,000 passing yards. Anything above 4,000 to me would just be gravy because even with Todd Munkin in town, the Ravens are still going to run the ball. Munkin is known for having a balanced offense and it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me at all if Lamar still had around 1K on the ground. And so Bobby, I can't believe I'm about to say this. We've picked him apart. I think justifiably so for some of his opinions, but I like the way Skip Bayless phrased how the Ravens and Lamar should balance the pass and run game going forward. God gave you something that nobody has. Right. You can't. You don't need to do it all the time. You don't make, need to make it the staple of your offense. But every once in a while, mm -hmm. when it's there, you need to go. Right. Because you can go the way nobody can go. Right. Yeah, I, I like it. I like what Skip, Skip actually had to say. So, yeah, don't make Lamar's running ability the staple of the offense, which is what it was under Greg Roman. But when a running lane is there, take it. Beyond that, how is this offense going to look? Well, I'll leave you with Super Bowl winning wide receiver James Jones. He explained how he thinks the offense is going to look, and he's doing that after he personally spoke 
with Todd Munkin. Yeah, and I had a chance to sit down with Munkin. What'd you say? What'd you take away from? Because he's an older guy. He's an older guy. He knows what he's talking about, and he is all about spreading people out, giving Lamar Jackson some opportunities if he want to run it, and definitely putting his receivers in some okay, one-on-one so situations to be able to make plays in space. One of the questions about him being the offensive coordinator and Lamar Jackson's game, you know, six years, five years into his NFL career, is that people think he can't throw from the pocket. And people are crazy. Go. Lamar Jackson, and just talking to people in the building, Lamar Jackson is a special thrower of the football. And I think that... From the pocket. From the pocket. Yes. And I think that is one of the main things that was frustrating, frustrating about the last offensive coordinator because they wanted him to keep on opening this playbook up for Lamar so Lamar could throw this ball over the yard. I truly believe you are going to see another MVP season from Lamar Action Jackson. I'm not saying 6,000 yards, but this is going to look like Louisville. It is going to be four wide receivers with Mark Andrews out there. They can run the ball. He can make plays with his legs. But he's going to get his receivers in space, have an opportunity to throw them the football in one-on-one coverage, and he is going to make some plays with his arms. And I truly believe after this season, everybody is going to lose the fact that Lamar Jackson cannot throw in that pocket. Bobby, next up on our content agenda this week is preparing for Thursday night's annual schedule release in which we'll learn the dates and times of Ravens games this upcoming fall. Oh yeah, and this is one of my favorite weeks of the year because as you know well, I tend to be somewhat of a planner, especially when it comes to travel. I still have the physical in-person, in-my-hand assignment calendar versus like Google calendar. You've been trying your best to (laughs) convert me to the whole digital side of things. I am an old soul, but uh, what what we we know right now for sure is who Baltimore's opponents are. Home games, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Cincinnati, outside the division, Houston, Indianapolis, Seattle, Los Angeles, that's the Rams, Miami, and Detroit, while road games will have them traveling to, of course, the three aforementioned in-division sites, Then outside of that, Tennessee, Jacksonville, Arizona, San Francisco, and Los Angeles, that would be the Chargers. Now, on top of this, there's several new wrinkles that are going to be implemented beginning this fall from a formatting standpoint, and I wanted to run through them quickly as well. So beginning with uh, the NFL is going to have a Black Friday game for the first time ever in league history. Games do not necessarily belong to networks anymore for the first time ever, so basically, All games are free agents. It's going to be a free-for-all. Teams can be on Thursday night football twice. Gulp. You know the players are not going to be pleased about those types of short weeks, Sarah. And who we will see who gets the short end of the stick this upcoming fall uh, in that category. And then uh, not all teams are guaranteed to have a primetime spot. I don't think the Ravens will be worried about that category whatsoever. I expect them, as we have discussed in recent days, to have the max on their initial schedule, which is five games. And then again, they could be flexed later on, depending on how things shake out come December and January. And just for a programming note here, much like we did on draft night last month, we're going to be providing you with live stream coverage from 7.30 to 10 o'clock at night this Thursday. That's May 11th, which is going to be available across all of our platforms. We're going to have special guests. We're going to have instant reaction to the official unveiling of the Ravens 2023 schedule. We're going to make sense of it, and uh, we're really looking forward to going live yet again. We've enjoyed it. We appreciate you, 
and we will see you on Thursday night. All right, and before we fly, some other quick news items you need to know, beginning with the Ravens signing Jaquan Amos, an undrafted safety from Ball State, and he is not to be confused with the veteran safety Adrian Amos, who we discussed in Topic 1. Also, here's a little context to the Ravens not picking up Patrick Queen's fifth-year option. There were four other inside linebackers who were selected in the first round of the 2020 NFL Draft, and they were all picked up before Queen. And their respective teams also declined to pick up their fifth-year options. So Jeff Zriebeck wrote about this, quote, it probably says more about the economic realities of the NFL rather than them as players, close quote. And he's exactly right. The price tag for the fifth-year option for these guys would have been about $12.7 million, while only one inside linebacker got above $10 million in free agency. Everybody else was below it. All right, and finally, we're quoting Jeff Zriebeck a lot tonight. He had a good column uh, Monday morning. So he revealed, for those jersey number watch people, uh, he revealed that Odell Beckham Jr. was initially going to wear jersey number zero, but didn't know that Roquan Smith had already decided to shift from 18 to that number zero. So Beckham, of course, had to do some maneuvering and took James, James Prochet's number three, who went to number 10. And uh, Bobby, now we can see with all this jersey number uh, maneuvering, we can see who is the big man on the totem pole in Baltimore. Thanks for listening to The Morning Vault. We created our show to keep you plugged into all things Ravens. If you've been enjoying our content, please consider joining one of our membership platforms by visiting patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault podcast. As you probably know by now, we've been betting on ourselves by creating content independently from any big broadcast station or corporation. And with your membership support, you'll give us a chance to keep churning out daily Ravens content for years to come. And a special shout out to two of our returning patrons, Stephen Dents and Jason Zorotniak. And we'd also love to hear from everyone, whether they're patrons or not, with comments, questions, or if you'd be interested in advertising. So you can reach us by email via BaltimoreRavensVault at gmail.com. And that is all the time we've got today. But we will be back on Wednesday with the Ravens news you need to know. Mm-hmm.